Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Dirt Show. Before we get to the topic of the day, I want to do something very personal. Um, the last member of my father's generation um, died last night. My 98-year-old uncle, uh, I called him Uncle Zaki. His name was Zachariah, Zechariah. Zachariah Dor Shav, original name Dershowitz, but he made Aliyah, he moved to Israel about 50 years ago and Hebraized his name and made it more Hebrew. And so instead of Dershowitz, which is a Polish name, he named his family Dor Shav, the generation that returned. Um, Uncle Zaki was a great man. Uh, he was just, uh, just a marvelous intellectual. He was a professor at Bar-Ilan University, taught psychology and education. Um, studied the Talmud every every day and the Torah every day and was just so kind to people. Um, he was not happy with my uh, lack of religious uh, commitment. It certainly uh, didn't come close to matching his, but he was uh, completely uh, tolerant of, of my views. Two stories that really bring my uncle Zaki alive. One, I wrote a book called The Genesis of Justice, and it was all about how I interpret the book of Genesis. And, you know, I interpret it in a more secular way than he would. And so I showed him the manuscript because he was so smart. And I said, if you want me to change anything, just let me know. And he read the manuscript and he said it was a very good book. He appreciated it. But there's one word he wanted me to change. I said, for you, Uncle Zachy, any word. He said, I want you to take the name Dershowitz off the front cover. Um, he said, because it doesn't reflect our family's views on the Bible. And I said, that's the, the one word I really, really I can't take off. And he laughed. And we understood that we would have a disagreement. The, the second story that happened three years ago on his 95th birthday, the family arranged for everybody in the family. We have more than 100 uh, relatives who live in the United States and in Israel, uh, arranged for about 100 people to be on a Zoom call uh, to wish him a happy birthday. And um, secretly, without his knowledge, I arranged for the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, to call in and to wish him a happy birthday. I thought it would take 15 seconds and he'd get a thrill. So Netanyahu calls and says, hey, Uncle Zaki, uh, my friend Alan Dershowitz, uh, wants me to wish you a happy birthday, and any you know relative of Alan's a friend of mine. So, happy birthday, Uncle Zaki! And he begins to hang up the phone, and Uncle Zaki says, "Wait a minute, Mr. Prime Minister, I've been living in Israel 50 years. I've never had a chance to tell an Israeli Prime Minister what you're going wrong. I got you on the phone. I'm not giving that up on that chance. I'm going to tell you everything you're doing wrong." Well, 20 minutes later, they were still on the phone. And, and Bibi is trying to get off the phone while well, I'm busy. I'm busy. Well, let me just tell you one more thing. Finally, finally, the call ended. And, and Bibi called me about 10 minutes later and said, Alan, what'd you get me into? You told me just to wish him a happy birthday. I said, Bibi, you should have known. This is my uncle, my family. You think he'd be satisfied with just saying, hi, Mr. Prime Minister. Thank you for wishing me a happy birthday. Those were the two sides of my, my uncle, Zachy. And I'll miss him. 
he lived a long life, a good life. Uh, his wonderful children and grandchildren. Um, he is uh, kind of the personification of that generation of American Jews born in America, grew up in America, then Israeli Jews went to Israel, became a fervent Zionist and a strong supporter of the Jewish state. Um, and um, I'm going to miss him. He just just had a tremendous influence on me. And I just wanted to share my views of him on this uh, first uh, day of his uh, of his uh, morning. The funeral was today in Israel, as you know, they bury people um, within hours of, of their death. But the family will be sitting Shiva and hopefully I'll have a Zoom call with them and be able to tell them in person what I've shared with you. Now let's get to the topic of the day, a topic that my uncle Zaki would have been very concerned about. And that is what is going on with these pro-Hamas demonstrations? You know, they're not pro-Palestinian. They're pro-Hamas, anti-Israel, anti-American. Um, I mentioned on the show yesterday, just briefly, that uh, probably the worst aspect of these demonstrations occurred just the other day when loud, boisterous demonstrators stood in front of the windows of the Sloan Kettering Cancer Institute, which includes a pediatric wing, and disturbed all the patients and screamed at them. And, you know, they weren't doing it to save lives of Palestinians. They couldn't care less about the Palestinians. Uh, if the Palestinians were being killed by uh, the Syrians or the Jordanians as they were, there'd be no protests. It's, it's all about Israel and the United States, not about the, not about the Palestinians. But the protests are really getting out of hand. I support protests. Uh, as you know, I defended the rights of Nazis to march in Skokie, Illinois, although I couldn't agree less with any philosophy than the philosophy of Nazism. It wasn't that I supported the right of the Nazis. It's I opposed the power of the government to censor Nazis. And so I'm always on the side of uh, protesters and against government trying to restrict protests as long as the protests are, are lawful and peaceful. Um, the question is, have these protests crossed a line? I think the Sloan Kettering thing didn't cross a legal line, it crossed the moral line, but that's not what the First Amendment's about. The First Amendment permits immoral, immoral uh, speech, uh, but it doesn't permit illegal speech. But today, um, in, in the rotunda of the Capitol, um, people sat in and refused to leave, and that was illegal, and they were arrested. Um, uh, Anti-Israel pro-Hamas protesters have also blocked um, uh, access to train stations, uh, to bridges. Um, you know, that can cause deaths. When you block access to streets and bridges, you're blocking access by ambulances. You're blocking access by doctors. You're blocking access also by just ordinary citizens who want to go home and have dinner with their family. Um, and so uh, you have to strike the appropriate balance. And it's, it's not as if, you know, these uh, protests who are morally justified, they're not morally justified, they're legally justified. None of these people would be protesting. None of them have protested um, the mass killings of Arabs and Muslims by other Arabs and Muslims. I don't remember a single demonstration against Syria for killing so many, so many Muslims. Or Jordan, when it killed so many uh, Palestinians or Egypt um, when it cracked down uh, on, on dissenters. Um, uh, there are so many causes. There's genocides going on 
in the world today, in China, in Africa, no protests. Hard to generate a protest about Russia and Ukraine. Indeed, some of these very people support Russia uh, on, on Ukraine um, um, because they're anti-American. And anything, any side America is on, they're going to be on the opposite side because you just can't be fooled by these people. They use the Palestinian issue the way they use the gay issue, the way they use the civil liberties and civil rights issues. They'll jump on any cause. I mean, these are, uh, they, they have different names. Today, they're called the Party for Socialists and Liberation. It's, again, the old communists. They just have a different name now. But these are people who, for years, uh, in the 20s and the 30s and the 40s and the 50s, to the present day, they take different forms, but they are largely groups of what would formerly have been called communists. Today, they're called, you know, radical socialists, socialist revolutionaries, party for the revolution or whatever. But they want to overthrow the government. They want to destabilize the government. They want to do everything in their power to weaken the United States. At one of these demonstrations, I think it was the one in front of Sloan Kettering, when it was announced that Iran, one of the most evil countries in the world today, that Iran had bombed an area near the American embassy. Cheers broke out. My God, if they had only hit the American embassy, there would have been applause. There would have been jumping up and down for joy. These are people who support Iran over the United States, the mullahs, the people who kill gays, who throw dissenters off the roof, who uh, killed a woman because she didn't wear the right garb. These are people whose own people, the Iranian people, are so opposed to the mullahs uh, that there should be regime change, but there there hasn't been, and maybe there will be, maybe there won't be. But I'm not talking about regime change today. I talked about that yesterday. Today I'm talking about the protesters and the immorality of these uh, protesters coupled with the legality of most of the protests. Uh, look, uh, there have been many protests that have uh, resulted in, in criminal uh, prosecution. Normally, I'm on the other side. Um, I was one of the lawyers, consultant on the Dr. Spock case, anti-war protests in 67. I was one of the lawyers in the Chicago 7 uh, case. Um, I supported the rights of the Nazis to march uh, through Skokie. And when I was a college student, I supported the rights of communists to teach at places like uh, Brooklyn and college. Um, and, and so I, I'm, I'm a free speech, almost absolutist. I call myself a near absolutist. Obviously, I don't believe in the right to disrupt um, people's peaceful endeavors, um, but I believe in the right to say anything and support any cause. And I will defend the right of these people to support. You know, I've told you this story before. When um, Yasser Arafat died, uh, Palestinian students at Harvard in those days, they weren't that many and they weren't that powerful. But a group of them came to see me saying that the Harvard administration would not allow them to fly the Palestinian flag in memory of Yasser Arafat. And uh, they banned the flag. Would I defend them? And I did. And I got the university to change its, its views. Um, I also got the university to change its views on showing a Confederate flag. So I'm an equal opportunity uh, advocate of, of, of free speech. 
But then when the Palestinians uh, had the memorial for Yasser Arafat and flew the Palestinian flag, I was there handing out leaflets uh, about the other side of Yasser Arafat and what a terrible man he was and how he was a mass murderer. And I made a little speech and I said, if Yasser Arafat had only uh, died a little earlier, that his death was untimely, if he had only died a little earlier, uh, there might be a two-state solution. Remember that uh, a two-state solution was offered um, by the United States and by Ehud Barak um, in, in uh, 2000-2001, and Yasser Arafat turned it down. Um, and, and Abbas, who's now the head of the Palestinian Authority, essentially said if he had been in charge, he might very well have accepted the offer made by um, President Clinton and Ehud Barak. Well, I'm not sure how truthful that is, because Abbas was the prime minister when um, Ehud Olmert made an even more generous offer of a two-state solution, offering 97% of the West Bank as a Palestinian state with a right of return, symbolic to be sure, but you know, 50,000, I think, was the number, and uh, a capital in Jerusalem. What more could the Palestinians want? And Abbas did not respond. Um, and then, unfortunately, Omer uh, lost his office, and, and the issue disappeared and went away. Um, but Palestinians had an opportunity to have a state 1937, uh, supporting that. And Israel's a democracy, no matter what some of its extremist leaders say. And there are some extremists who stand in the way of a two-state solution, obviously. Um, I think the majority of Israelis would accept a two-state solution if it were offered uh, properly. But again, we go off subject a little. That's related to the claim, you know, free Palestine. Palestine could have been free. Palestine was free. Uh, not from the river to the sea, of course not, because from the river to the sea includes 9 million Israelis. And the river to the sea is a genocidal proclamation. You know, it's like cleanse, clean the Middle East of Jews. Uh, those are genocidal proclamations. No, Israel's not going to accept that, but it could, it could begin a process toward a two-state solution. Look, the Saudis have now indicated that maybe, maybe, they would be ready to recognize Israel as the nation state of the Jewish people if Israel would begin a process of moving toward the recognition of a Palestinian state. Look, if, if a two-state solution or any good solution comes out of the horrible barbarisms of October 7th, at least some good will have come from something that is totally, totally, totally bad. Uh, don't know that it's going to happen. Right now, nothing good is happening. Right now, what we're seeing is the Palestinian leadership uh, supporting uh, Hamas, essentially. Uh, Hamas going on, sending more rockets into Israel, killing some of the hostages we now suspect, uh, raping some of the hostages. There's fear that some of the hostages may come back impregnated by um, Palestinian uh, Hamas terrorists. Uh, what they're going through is just hell. And when I see a demonstration, any demonstration, 
Just look for two things. Does anybody call for a two-state solution? No. Again, I offer money. Find me a single demonstration that's called pro-Palestine that supports a two-state solution. Show me a single demonstration that calls for the release of the hostages. Is Jewish life not worth anything? Yeah. Yeah, too many people are dying in, 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 in Gaza, largely because Hamas is killing them. Hamas is using them as human shields. We now have evidence, even the New York Times quoted the evidence, that virtually every tunnel that the Israelis found was beneath a mosque, a school, a hospital, or other civilian areas. They also have a list of people who donated their homes to Hamas to use them as covers for their tunnels. Now, I have to tell you, I don't want anybody to die, but I'm not sympathetic to people who donate their houses or allow their hospitals and their schools and their children to be used as, as human uh, shields. And so the protests are not justified. Uh, if you want to have a protest, have a reasonable protest. All right, you want to call for a ceasefire? At least call for the return of the hostages. We don't see that. It's unilateral. In fact, they don't even call for a bilateral ceasefire. It's just a unilateral ceasefire. Israel should stop, but Hamas should continue to fire its rockets. Of course, many of the people who participate in these demonstrations are not members of the Party for Socialist Liberation. They're useful idiots. They're kids who wouldn't know the difference between Palestine and Palisades. They're kids who have no idea what the river and what the sea refers to when they say uh, Palestine shall be free from the river to the, river to the sea. They're just going along. Um, they're radical lefties. And if it's anti-American, hey, we're joining. Uh, I know I have friends who have children uh, who are joining these demonstrations and they're upset and concerned, but uh, there's very little you can do about it. Let's just remember uh, how important young people have been in producing really bad results and bad causes. The Nazis really began at uh, major universities. Um, uh, the Stalinists had the support of students at universities. The mullahs, the people who took over the American embassy and essentially declared war in the United States, who were they? It was students today. They're the leaders of the Revolutionary Guard. But during the Jimmy Carter administration, when this happened, they were students. And so these student demonstrators can't hide behind the fact that they're students. They want to be treated as adults for some purposes. But when you know, people say to them in a job interview, you really support rapes by Hamas against innocent Israeli women? And they say, we're only children. We're only children. We're students. Don't hold us responsible. Yeah, I know. We're going to hold you responsible. And anybody, anybody who supports Hamas should be held accountable. You have the right to support Hamas. You have the right to do it. And we, reasonable and decent people, have the right to say, not in my law firm, not in my medical practice, uh, not in my uh, supermarket. No, uh, I'm not going to hire you. You have a right to stand on the street corner and support rape and beheadings and lynchings and just like you have a right to support the Ku Klux Klan. But you have no right to work for me if you take those positions. And I would encourage people and employers to ask hard questions of young people about where they stand 
on these issues. Free speech means free speech for all, including free speech and freedom of association for those people who are appalled by what these demonstrators are doing. So the answer to my question is yes, the demonstrations have gone too far, not too far legally. Some have. Uh, by the way, some Black Lives Matter demonstrations went too far legally, and the same rules have to apply. The same rules have to apply to January 6th, which I strongly oppose, the entering into the Capitol and destroying some property. For some people, it was just entering into the Capitol, having been waved in. That's a very different matter. I represent one of those people. But, uh, you know, it's a matter of degree, the difference between what went on on January 6th and what's going on today uh, in the Capitol and other places in the name of pro-Palestinian, but really anti-Israel, pro-Hamas demonstrators and what happened after the killing of George Floyd. And so let's look at these things in comparison, because you have to have one rule for all. You can't have, you can't have affirmative action based on race and free speech and say, if it's Black Lives Matter, it's okay. But if it's trying to undo the election, that's not okay. You have to have one rule for everybody. And the rule has to be objective and it can't involve the content of speech. It has to involve the externalities, you know, uh, pushing and shoving and breaking windows and violence and blocking access. Those are the ways that you can place limits on demonstrations, not based on the content of the speech, no matter how appalling it is. And these anti-Israel and pro-Hamas demonstrations are as about appalling as they get, but they're protected speech, but not when they infringe on the legitimate rights of other people. So let's look at some of the letters. Okay, um, we talked uh, every day, we talk a little bit about who you're gonna vote for. And I said the other day, you know, eh, you can persuade me maybe, it, you know, the right Republican candidate uh, were to run or the wrong Democrat were to run. Um, my vote is not taken for granted. Okay, so somebody responds. Alan, when voting for a political candidate, I choose the candidate who will do the most for the most number of people. Very Benthamite uh, uh, cost-benefit analysis. The categories I consider are the economy. I do too. Gas prices, energy prices, food prices, inflation, economic growth, the unemployment rate, the stock market, immigration policy, the sudden border, following the law, following the Constitution, foreign conflicts, foreign wars, relations with our allies, and relations with our enemies. I include a few other things, and that is the Supreme Court. Uh, I support civil liberties, right of free speech, um, the right of gays to marry and have full full constitutional rights, um, the right of a woman to choose to have an abortion at a certain stage in her uh, pregnancy. Uh, I also look at reasonable climate control, reasonable <clears throat> gun control, and I also look at separation of church and state. I think it's very good for America when religion is kept separate from governance. So we, we tend not to agree fundamentally on what the criteria are. We agree, we disagree on who, who best satisfies them. I got a lot of letters also saying, you know, I really misstated what Trump said about being a dictator. Well, you know, all he said was, I'm going to be a dictator on day one. I'm going to make sure the borders are closed. I'm going to do this and that and the other thing. I just don't like a potential president even using the word dictator, even for one day. That's not what our Constitution permits. And so uh, I would hope he would stop using that term. And um, uh, and, and it, it's something that one should take into consideration. 
Hi, Professor. Uh, this is about attacking Iran, but could we at least have a proper declaration of war by a vote of Congress this time around? I agree. I think if there were to be a massive attack, a regime change type attack on Iran, there should be a vote of the Congress to authorize uh, that uh, war because it would be a war. We haven't had a declaration of war, obviously, since President Roosevelt sought the declaration of war after the invasion of Pearl Harbor. But we've had a lot of wars, um, and uh, I think a declaration of war is important. Alan, who do you think is more likely to widen the war effort to affect regime change in Iran? Donald Trump, Barack Hussein Obama, uh, otherwise known as uh, Joe uh, Biden. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that uh, question. Um, it's hard to predict what Trump would do in terms of foreign policy. Um, and it's hard to predict what uh, Biden would do. Biden has authorized attacks on certainly Iranian uh, proxies. Um, I hope he gets stronger and, and does more. Okay. Alan, I hope this is an appropriate place to share a question and that you will see it here and address it. What standing does South Africa have to bring an action against Israel in the International Court of Justice? And the answer is none. They don't have standing to do that. And that's one of the arguments that I would have made had I been the lawyer for Israel. And it's very excellent lawyer, lawyers, legal team is making that argument that um, that South Africa doesn't have uh, standing to uh, uh, bring that action, especially since it never brought actions in Africa itself when we had real genocides taking place in, in, in Darfur and Rwanda and other places like that. Where was South Africa? Sleep at the wheel, probably supporting some of the genocide, but certainly not opposing it. So I don't think it has legal standing. It surely does not have moral standing. And South Africa has lost its moral credibility since the death of Nelson Mandela. What a tragedy. South Africa could have been a great country. It's now a failed kleptocracy, and it's going downhill and getting worse and worse and worse. Hasn't Shia Iran launched a missile attack on Sunni group in Pakistan today? That's what I read. Many of those here in England who are protesting about the war in Gaza are of Pakistani descent. I'm certain they'll think long and hard about the future. That last bit's sarcasm. Um, yeah, it's complicated. You know, Pakistan is a nuclear power, but it really doesn't have the capacity to take on Iran. Um, uh, and uh, Iran is, you know, becoming very adventurous in who it attacks through its surrogates indirectly. And I think it will ultimately come back to haunt it, I hope. And I hope it has to pay a heavy price for its adventurism and for its support of terrorism around the world. This is one of the dumbest ones I've ever seen. You haven't denied involvement with negative Epstein allegations. I have spent my life not only denying them, disproving them. And ultimately, the woman who accused me said publicly as part of an agreement that she now recognizes that she may have uh, confused me with somebody else, may have misidentified me. So if you don't think I've denied involvement with negative Epstein allegations, you're either asleep, blind, deaf, dumb, I don't like to use those words, but that's actually uh, an appropriate, an appropriate uh, uh, referral to anybody who would make a statement like that. Yes, I deny it. I never had sex with anybody related to Jeffrey Epstein. I've had sex with one woman from the day I met Jeffrey Epstein until the day he died. 
my wife, who was um, completely supportive of me in every respect. Okay. Mitt Romney turned me off when he declared that corporations are people. It's very interesting because Mitt Romney was my student. Uh, he took criminal law in my class, and he was a very good student. And I did teach him that corporations are people for certain purposes. Corporations are people under the First Amendment. Corporations are not people under the Fifth Amendment. And they can be people under the Fourth Amendment. It's very complicated. Um, that's why we have law schools. Um, uh, but politically, you don't say that corporations are people. But corporations have some of the attributes of people legally in certain contexts. And, you know, him being a lawyer and a good one and a good governor, I think he really, um, he really um, made the same mistake that the presidents of the three universities made, uh, becoming too legalistic when the question wasn't legalistic. The question was about people. And I don't think the people wanted to hear him say corporations are people too. That just simplified complex issues too much. Last question. Democrats have moved more far to the left than Republicans to the right. I don't agree with that. I think more of Democrats have moved to the left than Republicans have moved to the right. But Republicans, some of them have moved so far right. Congresswoman Green and some others have moved so far right. I love listening to you, but you have no arguments as to why you support Democrats. Gay marriage? Trump had gay persons in his cabinet. Republicans aren't against gays. I'm not suggesting the Republicans are against gays. I'm saying the Republican platform is not as supportive of civil liberties and civil rights as the Democratic platform. But again, work in progress. Steep trying to persuade me. I have an open mind and open ears and uh, see you next week. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. You know you Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.